0: Coming up, today's guest is the VP of product for one of my favorite apps called RoboKiller. You'll discover how they use Facebook ads to test screenshot concepts, what help with growth early on in the days, and how to properly test pricing when it comes to subscription apps. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. From Apple features to ASO to influencer marketing, you will learn all the tools and tactics to make it in the app space. Learn more at appmastersacademy.com. If you wanna target the youngsters, then you have to be on Snapchat. And if you wanna use Snapchat influencers to drive massive downloads for your app, then you have to check out fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the blog, where you go when you want action packed content in the app business because I frankly have used everything I've learned from my guests to grow my business. And today I reached out to these guys just like, I just found out about your app. I'm a paying subscriber. I would love to have you on because it's freaking brilliant, it has saved so much time and headache for me. So I'm super excited to be talking to this guy. His name is Ethan Garr, he is the VP of product at Tel Tech Systems. Go check him out. It is TeltechSystems.co or just click on Tell Tech Systems in your favorite podcast app, you go to their website, but the reason why I wanted to bring them on was because of a killer app called RoboKiller. We're going to hear all about how it got started and why I freaking love this app. Ethan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Actually, it's Teltech.co, just Teltech.co, TeltechSystems.co. Okay,
0: Teltech.co. There you go. <laughs> I
1: don't know why. So
0: yeah, thanks for having me. So where did this idea for this app come out? Because I got to tell you, I got a friend of mine who's got a very similar app where it's supposed to like just tell you if it's spammy or not. But I thought you guys took it a way a step further than any other app that I've seen like
1: this. Yeah, I think what makes RoboKiller unique and awesome is that we have answer bots. So not only does RoboKiller block hundreds of thousands of spammers from reaching your phone, what makes it, really special is that it answers those calls with robots of our own that talk back to the spammers and waste their time. And they're hilarious. So I just was playing one for somebody where a guy has a gazelle running through his apartment. And that's certainly super fun and it's entertaining. And I'm sure as a user, you enjoy the fact that, you know, you get some revenge on your uh, your spam callers. But if you think about it, it's having a profound effect on this problem. And this problem is really an epidemic. There's 3.6 billion robocalls being made in a month now. That's 2,700 every second. And we've got to put an end to that, right? And the way to do that is to hit these guys where it hurts, and that's in their wallet. So if you think about it, how do AnswerBots hit them in their wallet? Well, if I have a call blocking app and all I do is just help my user not get that call, which we do, right. that's great for my user. For you, you're getting the peace of mind and the peace of quiet. The call didn't ring, right? That's exactly what you, what you subscribe for. Right. But if you think about it, if your friend down the street doesn't have RoboKiller yet, hopefully he will. But if he doesn't have RoboKiller yet, he's being protected by RoboKiller too, because when that answer bot answers that call and wastes that spammers time, sometimes for minutes, if not hours on end, we've had, <laughs> we've had an answer bot keep someone on the, on the clock for over an hour. Actually, wow. we've seen that multiple times. If you think about that, that's time that your friend can't get a call either. And these guys, whether you like it or not, whether they're businesses, not legal businesses in most cases, but they're businesses and they have a bottom line too. And their bottom line is all about time and money. Right. When it comes to, down to it, they want to make a billion, billion calls because they know that only a, few, a handful of those will actually get answered and only a smaller group of those will get answered by a human. It's that human talking to you that's dangerous. That's the one who can steal your identity. That's the guy who can steal your uh, your money out of your out of your pocket and make you go get a Target gift card for his scam. Uh, if we can waste that person's time and lots of their time, then we can have an impact. And last month, RoboKiller wasted twenty five thousand hours of human spammer time. So wow. we're not just yeah, we're not just uh, we're not just you know we're not just blocking calls. We're putting these guys out of business and uh, we're really proud of that. You know, one of the things I'm going to get geeky here, Ethan, but
0: one of the things that really attracted me because I know you guys were featured by Apple and that's how I came across this app, but I love, I freaking love, I'm a, I don't know what's the right word is, but I love good design when I see it. And I love your screenshots as I'm looking on them right now. Like the first three, three are amazing. Winner of the FTC's robo calls contest, you know, and it lists out some of the features. So you're not even showing anything about the app yet. Protection from robocalls, calls, spam, and telemarketers. I'm like, okay, you had me there. Reduce unwanted <laughs> calls by 90% in 30 days. You had me there again. It's like, okay. And then as seen on, it's just like, okay, you got, you're got. you talking my language. You're not saying, hey, you know, we have high technology that will You know, detect calls. It's like nobody cares. It's just you have stats, which really call to me and then you have the social proof that you've been covered by all these media sites like and the fact that you're featured by Apple like even if I saw an ad for this and I saw these screenshots I'd immediately be like I'm trying this app out like I want to
1: check it out well yeah I mean as you know as pro- people and marketers what we're trying to do is get people to the value as quickly as possible right. we want to get we want to get you to that aha moment where you know you get value out of this app and we want to show that to you as early as possible in the process. Um, you know, I learned uh, in, from a, a creative writing teacher: you always want to show, not tell. So that's what we're trying to do in those screenshots. And um, but it's really a process that gets us there. When it comes down to it, uh, if you want to get people using answer bots and getting protected by your by your service, what you have to do is you have to sh- you have to find the perfect way to reach the right person at the right place at the right time, and to do that, we've had to invest in the right people and the right team to, to be successful. So, uh, we have great, a great growth marketer. We have a great growth marketing team. We have, uh, an amazing design staff and I I really am. I'm, I'm thrilled that you picked that up, picked that up and, and pointed it out because, uh, it's, it's a process to get there. Those, I assure you weren't our first screenshots, but everything for us is about testing and optimizing. So we put something up and we said, what was the reaction to this? that yeah, you guys we, are, you know yeah, what, we, sorry, go ahead. What's that? No, ahead. I was just saying, then we try something new. We A, B test it. You know, we, right. we say, hey, we tried this for, for a period of time. What was our conversion rate? Let's show this. What's our conversion rate? Was it better? Was it worse? Mm. Um, so we're, you know, we're always trying to find ways to improve on what we're doing. And that's really a process that we, we really believe in. Uh, I was telling you before uh, that uh, we really follow the methodology that Morgan Brown and Sean Ellis laid out in their book, Hacking Growth, um, because it's really... There's not a lot of, there's nothing that's prescriptive in, in this world. Like you can't just say, hey, because this other company did this with their app, if we do it, we'll have the same results. But there is uh, inspiration. Uh, but if, the one place that I think is pretty prescriptive is if you look at that book and the methodology that they uh, talk about, it's saying, make sure you have a product that people want with product market fit, mm-hmm. build a team and go out there and test and optimize that. You know, come up with ideas and then test and optimize it, and learn from what you what you do constantly and just do that in a cycle and you'll be successful. Well, uh, you know our products, fortunately, they filled these niches. I mean, I think everybody has this Robocall problem. Uh, that's not even a niche, right? That's a mass market problem. Yes. Uh, once we built a, a MVP that showcased the this the, our technology and our solution to the world. And we saw that people were having a good reaction to it. They said, hey, this is a must have product for me. Then we knew, hey, we have to make sure we have the right team to support this. And that was really about building that team from like, you, say, like, you know, you're you're pointing out um, uh, our designers, our marketers, our growth master, uh, our product owners, everybody has to be working in lockstep if you want to grow, because if you're going to run this process, it is a process and getting it going, is the, it's a flywheel. Like When you start it, it's really hard to get it going. But once you get it going and it's really turning and turning, you can be really successful with it because everything you do uh, is, a, is measured uh, and it's measured improvement. If you see something is working, you double down on it. If you see something's not working, you ask yourself why and you either continue to try to make that work or you pivot and do something else.
0: Do you remember in the early days during your MVP time something that was really working well?
1: Yeah. Uh, we added answer bots fairly early in the process and the reaction was really right away. We saw that people were, uh, getting value out of that. We, we, and we could see that it was a unique, uh, feature of the product that people really loved. Um, I think that's when we saw, you know, we started to see feedback. I mean, we have 31,000 four and a half star uh, ratings now. So it's we've done really well in the, in, in, with our, you know, because our customers love what we do and they're giving us the feedback to say, Hey, what you're doing is working for us. And we kept seeing uh, people saying, Hey, the answer bots are, are so much fun. And I, I felt so good when I, when I heard this answer bot wasting the scammer's time, when you start getting into, you know, getting that kind of feedback, uh, you definitely build on it for sure. I love that. What about something
0: that wasn't working in the early days?
1: Um. Well, yeah. In the beginning, uh, we had a caller ID feature uh, where we would, in real time, try to show you a more enhanced caller ID. Yep. Um, and while I think uh, it it's an interesting feature, uh, it wasn't what people came to us for, and it wasn't the and in some cases it was confusing people and causing other problems. And I think it was a good example where we said, look, we can invest and invest in trying to make this a, a absolutely, you know, necessary part of the experience, or we can set, take the customer feedback and learn from it and adapt. We still, we still do provide an enhanced caller ID in the service when you, when you go look at the, at the recordings. Um, But making it a real time part of the experience wasn't necessary. And it was distracting. And I think learning from that was just as important as the other things we learned from as well that we did double down on.
0: Right. And I love the so that the hacking growth book, I haven't gone through it. Sorry, Morgan, but I will definitely go through it soon. But
1: what I loved about it, we make it it required reading for all our our new hires get out. Okay. (laughs) I love that.
0: The with the answer bots, like where did you come up with this idea to have the answer bots? Was it something that customers were telling you or like, where did this, where did this
1: come from? So I, my vague recollection, most good ideas for us don't come from, uh, somebody calling a meeting and saying, by the end of this meeting, we're going to have a good idea come out of it. Most of it is two people are in a room having a conversation. And from that, another idea comes out. And I'm not sure if our two founders, Mayor uh, Cohen and Ellie Finkelman, uh, if it was a conversation they had or if it was a conversation uh, we were having as a as a larger team where AnswerBots specifically came out of it. But I can tell you the reason why we were able to do AnswerBots, and I think that's an interesting part of the Teltec story. Um, when the company has been around for 14 years, so our first product, SpoofCard, was a product that uh, the uh, the story goes uh, Mayor Cohen, uh, was a locksmith at the time. And he was having trouble getting customers to call him back who owed him money. And he realized it was because they could see his caller ID. So he said to the smartest guy he knew, Hey, could I change my caller ID? So I don't have to go across the street to my neighbor's house every time I want to call this person. And they developed uh, this service called spoof card, which became one, and it still is one of our, our successful apps. But from that, I think they became, you know, at first, was just do it things here is like hey this is interesting technology can we do something interesting with it uh, so from that uh, a few years later the big problem people were having was uh block caller id uh it's still a problem it's just not quite as much in the news anymore as robocalls have taken over the news cycles but um we wanted to create a, a service that would protect people who were getting harassed by block caller id mm-hmm. and we thought hey is that a problem we could solve uh, and mayor and Ellie, again, with other people involved, uh, came up with this idea for trap call It was a hit. And, uh, from there, eventually we created tape call, which was our call recording app. And eventually we got to RoboKiller. Yeah. each step along the way. We learned something about, uh, about the phone system and how, how telecommunications work, how apps work, how services work, how, and how customers react to, to these kinds of things and how you can help them. We started to really learn the problems. So one of the things that allows us to answer these calls and put answer bots to work is the fact that we know how to, uh, intercept and do something with these calls. That's a, a, a process we learned from trap call where we use, uh, I won't get into the techie details, but we use a process uh, available on those mobile phones called conditional call forwarding. So not only do we block the calls that we, that come in using Apple's call kit, um, that once we block the call, we have to, we answer it. And that's where, you know, a technology that we learned with another product. And then, you know, there's this element of these answer bots talking back and, you know, being on a, on a, on the line, you know, three, you know, three lines at once. And that, and that's, uh, something we learned from tape a call. Mm -hmm. Uh, we learned something from, from spoof card about caller ID and how it's used and misused. And that helped us get better at identifying which calls to block and which calls not to block. So everything, Everything's really been a, a process. I joined the company about three and a half years ago. So that was uh, after Tape A Call had been developed. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but I was able to, by working with the people who are here, and because we have such a passionate group, there, you know, there are people who have been here for really the most of the lifetime of the, of the company. And they were so passionate about it. And they would evangelize it. They would teach me along the way. And each person who comes into the company, even if you've been here for six months, three years, 10 years, uh, gets this, this knowledge from the, from the group, uh, that's passed along passionately. And it's, it, what that does is it allows us all to be in the room and contributors to the ideas. So it becomes less about any one person coming up with the ideas. I mean, I can, I can tell you, uh, Mayor and Ellie are certainly very visionary in their approach. Um, and many of the good ideas, uh, certainly came from them, uh, yeah. directly. Um, but even, I think they would tell you that, uh, even if they were good ideas to start with, they got better because they got people in the room having conversations and saying, How do we, how do we double down on this thought? How do we make how do we make this come alive for our users and for for the for the people who are going to get value out of this? How are we going to make sure that we do that in the most meaningful way possible? And Robokiller, I think, is just a great example of that because there's a lot of apps that block robocalls. And like I was telling you, just blocking robocalls probably exacerbates the problem. If you've noticed, Uh, there have been call blocking apps and services around for a long time now, and the problem hasn't gone away. It's gotten worse. Um, until now we think RoboKiller is solving the problem. Uh, but, uh, the reason that it's getting worse in my opinion is that again, these apps, they work to, to, to a certain degree and they stop RoboCalls from reaching your phone. And that's great if you as a consumer are the, are the the beneficiary of that. But for the telemarketers, they're emboldening them. They're saying, Hey, this guy, Steve has a call blocking app. He doesn't, he's not probably going to be a good victim. We want to get to somebody's elderly grandmother who's going to fall for our trap, right? The call blocking app that just blocks the call gets the spammer from you who is not going to, not going to fall victim to their to the evil to the grandmother much quicker. Right, that speeds up the problem. That that emboldens them just to make more robocalls. They're cheap at less than a penny per, per per minute. These guys will make calls all day long, but you take answer bots and you put them in the equation. Now you're wasting time. Now the cost of the calls is. It's not just the cost of the minutes. Sure, that's not that expensive. It's the cost of labor because our answer bots are smart. They know how to press one. They know how to get to the human behind the robocall. So that they can talk to that person and waste their time. I see.
0: That's really cool. And I I, and I like the way you guys have done that. Because it, they are fun to listen to <laughs> as well. <My laughs> wife, I was playing with my wife. The, the thing I want to move on to next, Ethan, is a couple of different things. So will make it really actionable to the, the audience as well. I love the story. And I think we're aligned. Because I was going to bring it up. And I love the story of how this led to this. Which this led to that. And that led to ultimately this. And so that's how I think of life. As we start thinking about entrepreneurship or anything else that you're doing, it's like, they're all steps, right? To a bigger goal. And you don't know what that is. You just have to trust the process and know that it's going to eventually get there. And I'm glad you brought it up because I would have brought it up if you didn't as well. But the next thing I want to get into is it's only available on iOS as far as I can tell, correct?
1: Actually, it's funny you say that because we just launched our Android app. Uh, So it actually is available in the Google Play Store uh, in limited beta. And we're we're releasing a, a few more people every day, so if, you, if you're an Android user and you want to try it, uh, you should definitely go there and check it out because it's, uh, if, if you can't get it today, try again tomorrow.
0: Because what I want to talk to you about is, as I'm looking at the history of RoboKiller as well, when you guys were looking at the screenshots, so just recently, as of this recording, the March update, the screenshots changed. And I, mm-hmm. the screenshots I gloated about, I was like, I love these. They were different. Just recently, they were different. Were you guys doing A/B testing, or like, how did you figure out that this would be the the way that you wanted to lay it out?
1: Yeah. So on iOS, you can't do true A/B testing on your screenshots. Right. Um, so, uh, but what we do do, what we will do is we will put up a set of screenshots for a period of time, measure the value there, and then put up a new a new set, and then uh, see if see if there's improvement. Um. So we do iterate from that. The other thing we'll do, we try to be creative. Um. It's not a one to one proxy. But what you can do, what we've done in the past, um, and I'm not sure if we did it in this particular iteration, but we'll take our screenshots and we'll put them up as ads, maybe on, um, on Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see what users respond to, uh, inter- you know, it's not necessarily, you're not looking at that ad as being a high converting ad necessarily, cause it's not built as an ad, but you're saying, Hey, is the, you know, which image is going to get more people to click on it? And that's a, pr- you know, it's a, it's a bit of a proxy for which one will do better in the app store. So what we might do is we might take, let's say we have uh, our design team comes up with four or five concepts. We might try them as ads first. Uh, and then the, the winner of that would be the first one we might test uh, in the app store. Cause you have to do it sort of, like I said, you have to do it sort of time-based. And when you do that, you always have to be careful. You wanna make sure that you know you don't you know test it for a time period that doesn't compare to another time period. So you always wanna make sure you get over at least one weekend. Um, you wanna make sure that you have a fair sample size to do that. Fortunately. Um, Robo Killer is a, um, is really popular. Um, we get, we get, um, lots of downloads. We have two, Oh, oh I think we'll hit 200,000 users in the next month. Nice. Um, so I think because of that, uh, we are able to get the data quickly, uh, to measure these things. And that's always important. Uh, we've, uh, one, I, I may have, uh, forgotten to mention as I talked about our team and our product owners and our designers and our growth team. Um, we've also invested heavily in, in data analysis. We actually have four data analysts in the company and we're only a 50 something person company now. So, uh, we really believe that, um, we really believe that, uh, data is the key to being successful. One of our stated goals is to continuously become a more data driven organization, become more data informed in what we do and use data to make good decisions. Um, and I always caution people that that does not mean that there isn't an element of gut feeling and uh, what you know best. If you, it's not all science and it's not all art, yeah. but if it's all of one or all of the other, um, you're probably making mistakes. So um, I think that's, you know, that's been really critical for us is to teach everybody on the team to be data-driven. One thing that uh, Sean Ellis said to me that I've always taken to heart is that if you want to build a successful uh, organization, teach everyone in the organization their role in growth. Make So mm. everybody's role in growth is to be more data-driven. Um, it's not our data analyst job to sit in a corner and do answer all the data questions for people. Their job is to partner with product owners, with growth marketers, with content marketers, to help them better understand what they're learning in their testing and optimization process so that they can be successful in what they do.
0: So I want to go back to growth too, and you, since we're on that topic, what helped with growth in the early days? Obviously, having the other apps out there and being successful helped out. But what, what else helped?
1: Um, so <laughs> what helped the most in the early days of really putting our growth process, you know, I we've been working out, we've been a growth business from the beginning, we've always been focused on growth. And there's always been an element of testing and optimization. We've gotten really organized it, about that in the last couple of years, and especially in the last year. Um, we hired a great growth marketer, and she's really uh, championed growth. And I think just having somebody whose job is to be the, be the evangelist for growth, and to run the process, that's part of the, the process. Um, you have to have a, a team that's bought in, and buy-in isn't about somebody saying, I agree with this or disagree with this. That, uh, that's not that hard with this growth methodology. At least it wasn't for us because it's such a clear me- – it's hard to argue with a methodology that just constantly improves on itself. Buy-in is about getting people to believe in their role in growth and their value to it. It means that whether you're in tech support or quality assurance or you're an engineer uh, or you're on you know, a product owner or the CEO, you feel that you're a contributor to growth, to the ide- ideation process, and that your voice is heard in that process. I think that was a really important thing. But what about from the acquisition side? Sorry, Ethan, to interrupt from the acquisition side. Like what, what drove growth? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's always a combination of things. I mean, I think, uh, paid marketing is a piece of what we do, but it's never been the, the, the largest part of what we do. We try to be, uh, smart about using different channels and we're not afraid to use channels that are traditional channels as well. Uh, I think, One of the things that we've really uh, been able to capitalize on is media. Um, We have products that really engage people. Answer bots, uh, you know, are are, they're such an exciting concept. Well, getting that out in front of the media has been a huge driver of growth. Um, We were featured on ABC World News. Actually, right after we were featured um, on a uh, a uh, a story in New York, a you know, a big uh, consumer advocacy story uh, with Nina Padeda on ABC7 and then that went they took that and uh, it went to ABC World News and that probably uh, contributed to 30 30 35% growth in a month wow. for us it was a, a tremendous driver and you know we're data driven and we believe in in the growth methodology you just you know you keep hacking away at these you know different ideas to you know to find those those different ways to grow but at the end of the day that was simply you know, the process of media relations, picking up the phone and saying, oh, Hey, you get,
0: did you guys get on? Did you guys literally pick up the phone and be like, Hey, Nina, got a great story for you.
1: Uh, with that one, I believe it was probably, uh, by an email, but we had a, uh, we had a person working here who had a, uh, uh, I think a sister-in-law or something had actually interned for, uh, for Nina Pineda's segment. Nice. Um, so he had an email address, but we we're constantly reaching out to the media in different ways. So um traditional methodologies for for marketing um you know are not dead uh you know yeah you know for us I'm not sure that you know the right thing to do right now is to buy a super Bowl commercial um, <laughs> but um but I think you know anytime you you know i I believe you know when the radio came out, they said it would kill print media when t v came out they said it would kill uh radio, and when the internet came out, it was supposed to kill television. They keep telling us that all these forms of media are going to go away. They're probably not going to go away. They're probably going to evolve, um, but that still means that they have value and you can you can use them. So, um, it, it's an important it's an important lesson, I think. You know, because uh, some of these things are a little less tangible. I mean, you, uh, you know, if you buy an ad on Google AdWords, you can tell right away if it's valuable or not. I mean, if, assuming you have good attribution, which is something that uh, our marketing team has spent a lot of time working on this year to make sure we have good attribution, but if you have good attribution. You know, you can really see like if the efforts you're making, um, are having the impact you want them to have basically in real time. And that helps you pivot and do think, do the things that are valuable versus not valuable. Some of these things like media relations, um, they can have a long tail. They can, you can do a lot of work and have no, uh, no results, but, uh, you can't be afraid to, to, to try those things as well. I think you have to try everything and you have to be, you have to really be willing to make a lot of mistakes in the process. I would say, um, I can't speak for before I was here, but I'm sure they made lots of mistakes as well. But we've made a ton of mistakes, uh, in our growth process, in our, in our marketing efforts in our, our product efforts, uh, everywhere in the organization, we've made lots of mistakes the it's what you do with them that counts i really encourage my team to stand up on the table and shout hey i made a a mistake here and to tell everybody about it because that's how we get better the penalty for making a mistake you know granted that it's not you know you didn't do it intentionally but the 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 penalty for making a mistake at teltech is you get to go make a new mistake the next time that's all i ask is let's not make the same mistakes twice um so we've made, you know, tremendous mistakes, but the thing is we've learned from those mistakes each time and because we've been good about sharing them across the team and not just saying, you know, hey, I don't want to embarrass myself and and kind of hide this one under the uh, under the carpet. We've been able to grow um, from those mistakes. And, uh, you know, we had a, a great example uh, a couple, six, eight months ago. Um, we did something on one of our, our apps. We spent a couple of weeks working on it. and it didn't pan out. And the, the test was actually well run. Um, you know, it had a good hypothesis. It had good success metrics. And all that was done well. And for that, I w- you know, we were proud of ourselves, and we should be. We looked at the results, and we said, hey, the hypothesis proved—it didn't prove to be a successful hypothesis. We thought this would drive a lot of growth, and it didn't. Great. That's learning. What we learned from that one, though, is we went back and we said, oh, you know, we could have done a, uh, a much simpler test than we did. We could have basically put a button, put a button, and tracked how people click the button, and we would have been able to measure whether people would have interacted with this feature or not. But we actually did all of the work to do this to get the same learning. Then we said, "Oh, okay, that was a mistake. We 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 wasted a couple of weeks of work adding this thing when we didn't have to. Let's learn from that as a team." And to to the 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 product owner's credit, uh, who who made that error. Uh, They shared it across our team in a way that was meaningful. And I believe that we'll never make that same mistake again, uh, across, you know, on an, on another product because we learned from it. We learned, Hey, you've got to step back from these things and look for what's the more simple direct route to getting the result you want to get. So from that perspective, I think it's a win. You know, it's that, you know, you can look at it as a, as a mistake or you can look at it as a win. To me, it's a win.
0: Ethan. So what I want to get to next is when I use the app, because it's been a while since I've been subscriber for a while, the to use the app, you come with a seven day trial, right? Like it's absolutely like mandated. So either you use it or you get out.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a seven day free trial, and then you can choose either a monthly or yearly subscription. It's two ninety nine a month or twenty four ninety nine a year. And what our job is to, to do in that time period is to show people the value, to show them yeah. that hey, we're going to start reducing the spam call problem for you right away. You're going to get the value of these answer bots. You're going to start enjoying them and getting you know the the revenge part of it. You're going to know that we're protecting you from the calls you don't want and giving you the calls you do want. So, um, yeah, I think the trial is really important and it's, uh, it's something that was also something, but there's you know, no free, right? You can't use it for free. No, right. uh, you, you can use it for free for those first seven days after that. But it that's the it. Purchase. Right. Yeah. You either pay
0: or you leave. That's pretty much it. So how did you guys, did you guys start off with that or how did you guys come up with that type of model? And then I've got a follow up question after that.
1: Yeah. I, my recollection is that it was, It was a paid uh, subscription right away, but it was not a free trial at first. I think we added that um, a little later and we saw the value of that. We saw people really, uh, especially when you're a brand new product and you have, you know, nobody has a sense of whether you're legitimately going to solve their problem or not. I think free is a a way to really showcase what, what you can do in a meaningful way you know, freemium models, uh, which this is not a freemium, you know, freemium in the freemium model. Usually what you do is you give someone a full feature set and then you take it, take bits away from it, but you'll let them keep that. Um, in, on an app like this, I think it's, it's a better experience to just give people the full experience. I mean, there are costs involved for us to provide the service. So that's, you know, so, and obviously we're, we're a business. Uh, so we want to, uh, we want to be able to keep serving our, our customers. So, but pricing and price optimization is really important. You want to find that that price point, um, and that it's that combination of price point and trial where enough people, you know, people get enough of exposure to know the value to get to those aha moments where they can feel like this is worthwhile, um, and also, you know, um, to know that what they're paying for is going to provide, you know, more value than than it costs. And that's you know what we're trying to constantly show people is that. For that fee, and we think you know, we try to keep it keep it small. Yeah. Um, but for that fee, you're going to get more value than than yeah. the three dollar, you know, at at two ninety nine a month, uh, or twenty four ninety nine a year. It's you know, it, it works out to you know, you know, whatever pennies a day, right? It's 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 very inexpensive for protection that really solves a huge problem for you, right? You're protected from harassment. You're protected from the threat of online scams. Um, you know, those IRS phone scammers, uh, you may not feel like you're, you're going to fall victim to them, but that scam has been going around for at least seven or eight years now. I hate that thing. Yeah. That thing and is it, so and annoying. And it's, and you would, th- you know, the FTC and the FCC and the IRS go, they they really work hard to try to educate people to know that, this isn't, you know, this isn't how the IRS contacts you. And this is not, you know, this is always going to be a scam. Right. And yet the problem gets worse. It doesn't get better. Right. Um, it's just, you know, there's a lot of people out there, but there's a lot of noise. Um, you need something to protect yourself. And, you know, answer bots are a great way to protect yourself. <laughs> so Ethan,
0: let me, I want to follow up to that because I think I signed up. I'm trying to figure out if I just signed up for the yearly because it was so and affordable. But what did you guys test anything on that screen? Because. I have a few people who ask me, Hey, will this work where either you use it or you get out right? and I said, yes, I know, I have a client and a friend who does that similar model and is doing well. And then you guys, obviously you're doing well with this app as well. So like what kind of testing did you guys do to get people to make sure that they knew like the messaging to say, Hey, it's a free trial and you better, you got to pay or you got to get out. Like, cause that, that
1: is sort of scary to say. So there's some some of the, there are some limitations based on the fact that you're pr- making the purchase through Apple. So uh, w- you, we're using their their system for the free trial. Um, so there you know there's some limitations in what. You, w- first of all, you, there there's things you have to show and have to say, um, otherwise they won't approve your app. Um, okay. So uh, so to some degree we're limited there, but we have tested we have tested, should we have a free trial? Should we not have a free trial? Should, you know, what price points are, are the, what price points are going to drive more people to yearly versus, versus monthly? Or, you know, at what point do you, is the price too high for, for, for either, um, either duration? Uh, and to do that, you really need good, uh, data analysis, uh, data analysts, because price testing is really an art. Um, there's a lot to it and it's not just, you can't just simply A, B test something um, without really having an understanding of what the impact is. And yeah, especially with a subscription model, you have to be thinking about life, lifetime value as well. Getting more people in the door today may sound great, um, and it may give you a, a little jolt on the revenue side that you feel really good about. But if the prices, if you've hit a price point where people stay for a few months less because it's just, you know, they feel it's too expensive, that's a real problem. And, um, before we hired our data analysts onto the team, I think, you know, we all felt like we were pretty data driven people. Um, but we, I think we were kidding ourselves into believing that our data our data analytics that we were doing were, um, were, were good enough. We, we believed that they were better than they were because, well, they were all we had. Um, it wasn't that we weren't, were not we ignoring data, but it's hard for, for people who don't really understand some of the nuances of data analytics and data science to say, hey, what is the short term impact, the medium term impact, and the long term impact? How do you look at, you know, how do you know whether a change you made today is going to shorten or extend someone's lifetime value eight, nine, 10 months down the road? Um, you know, if you have to wait eight, nine, 10 months to know that, um, it's going to be a hard way to grow data analysts can help you do predictive modeling. They can look at different factors that would suggest one way or another. And again, it's not, you know, at the end of the day, the data analysts don't know for sure what's going to happen, but they can use intelligent modeling. And now there's amazing tools out there from machine learning and, um, you know, even artificial intelligence that allows data analysts to do some really amazing things. So, I really think that's an important thing for people to invest in a, in a team is uh, good data analyst and not to kid yourself into believing you are one. If you're not like if, uh, if you could def- define a regression, ana- <laughs> a regression analysis really well, maybe you're a data analyst. If you can't like me, then you should hire a data analyst. That's so, cool. I love it. Well, Ethan, anything I missed from this before we hit the big finish? No, I think, I think we, uh, think we covered most of
0: it. I loved it. I love the, the whole pricing testing and figuring out like short term growth. Anyways, I checked it. I'm on the monthly, but the yearly is like a no-brainer for me. So I'm switching <laughs> that pretty soon. But it's $25 awesome. just for the whole year. The app is called RoboKiller. Ethan, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app we definitely have to check
1: out. Well, I think you're going to have to go with RoboKiller. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, tr- truthfully, uh, you know, uh, we had a unique opportunity last Friday. Uh, I was uh, testified before a subcommittee in, in, in washington dc the subcommittee on commerce and energy um, about the robocall problem and we told them in no uncertain terms that answer bots and robokiller are the solution that will solve this problem in about three years and we believe that we believe that our answer bots are fighting back against scammers and putting them out of business they're certainly entertaining if you want to get great revenge on spammers it's a great way to do it Mm -hmm. um but you will you will stop the scourge of robocalls hitting your phone and uh, i'm really glad that you're a user and can uh can uh, tell people that as well. And we, again, appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this.
0: I just love that. I got I get a little notification. It was blocked. The phone never rang. Hey, and then I can listen to it if I want. And so you guys have done a really good job, especially just sort of like, yeah, minimizing the problem. Like it, it is the answer, bot. let me, and I want to add one more thing is you can record your own. So the person listening, like you think you're funny, go ahead and record your own and do that within Robo RoboKiller as well.
1: Yeah and what one of the cool things is you can share your uh right. you can share your 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 answer bot recording so if you get a good one where your answer bot was talking to uh one of these scammers and wasting their time and uh driving them crazy nothing better than sharing it on Facebook and telling your friends about that <laughs> <laughs> I had one where there. the person was speaking in
0: Chinese and she just kept going I'm like Thank God, like, I didn't answer this because I couldn't tell if it was the Insta caller speaking in Chinese or if it was the person that was speaking Chinese. To I was just like, <laughs> I, but it was just hilarious. Hey, Ethan, what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn?
1: The lesson that took us the longest to learn? Uh, for me personally, I think uh, it was that when you have great people you trust, that the best thing you can do is to give them a lot of room to make mistakes um, and a lot of encouragement when they make mistakes to go uh, not be afraid of making new ones. I think uh, it it's something that that's easy to hear and, and understand, but uh, we're all very, you know, sp- anybody who's passionate about what they do is always worried that if they let go too much, somebody else will mess something up that, that they feel passionate about. When you try i'm fortunate um we have a great team here and uh i'm just lucky to i'm lucky to be able to to work as part of a part of this team and be a part of teltech it's a a really fantastic company we're doing exciting things not just with RoboKiller, but with all our products trap call spoof card tape call um and we're just uh super excited about where we're going all the time
0: well the websites again are Teltech.co. Teltech.co. So if you click on Teltech in your favorite podcast app, you'll go to it. And then the app that we've been talking about a lot about is called RoboKiller. Go search for it on Android, iOS, wherever. I love it. I'm a user. I'm a paying subscriber as well. Ethan, do you want to send the user anywhere else? If they want to follow up with you personally, do you want to give out anything?
1: uh sure. If you uh, just reach out to us through, uh, through, uh, I mean, I don't care. Just call, uh, email me at ethan at teltech.co. Uh, always excited to talk to people and find out how we can help them.
0: Well, this has been absolutely amazing, Ethan. So if you've got anything out of this, as you're listening to this, find a way to thank the guests. Ethan's Twitter profile will be linked up on his name as well. Find a way to thank the guests like I'm about to do now. Ethan, thank you so much for coming on and doing this.
1: Awesome. Thank you for, so much, Steve, for having us. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat.
0: Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and
1: amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.